Greetings everyone and welcome to the 142nd edition of Cinema Effect, the most anticipated episode of the year? Of our whole uh, career. <laughs> Surely, it has to be, right? Or at least since November when we started this journey. Um, I'm Zach and I'm joined by my fellow Hound Cinema Appreciator, Jaden. Hello. Good morning. Jaden's so excited for this one. And we've got our resident Irish citizen, aka Fitzy, aka Liam. Hello. What's up? I'm just like. Well done. No, nah, like, I'm just. I'm excited. I'm just very tired and. From your hardcore Minecraft? No, nah, from. No, no. Well, no. But that is taxing as well, you know. Of course. Of course. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you what else was taxing. <laughs> it was seeing Magic Mike XXL. No. What? Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Sorry. 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 Um, that's embarrassing, which opened in the US on February 10th, 2023. It was directed by Steven Soderbergh, of course. It is a comedy drama, and the synopsis says, Mike takes to the stage again following a business deal that went bust, leaving him broke and taking bartender gigs in Florida. Mike heads to London with a wealthy socialite who lures him with an offer he can't refuse. Indeed. All right. The Magic Mike series is over, question mark, until they make a fourth one, um, which I'll also see in cinemas, of course. Liam, what did you think of Magic Mike's Last Dance? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think Summer Hayek was really awesome. I really enjoyed her. It was very different from Magic Mike. It, like, lent into the creative aspect of xxl but took it in the direction of kind of like vision and uh yeah i don't know it was um just a fun movie as well i think it was the most like jokey of the movies so yeah i enjoyed it yeah probably yeah 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 i absolutely enjoyed it as well had a really good time i think it's probably my least favorite in the trilogy but I mean, I'm curious to discuss that further, but it's entertaining for sure. And on the surface, like it has all of the core identifying traits of what anyone would want out of a Magic Mike film. You know, you got plenty of shirtless dancing, plenty of wholesomeness, charming characters, you know. So that's all great. I struggled to connect with it as strongly in the same way that I've been appreciating the other two films for on these reviews. Um so I, I'm glad that Fitzy brought that up right away in terms of how it leans into the creative aspect because that wasn't something I really got out of this one um, because I did really love the other ones for doing really cool things with the characters and storytelling that were often overlooked. And I don't know, I just I feel like this one, at least on a first viewing, didn't really uh, didn't really land in that department as much for me. But still, you know, had a great time. It's a good film for sure. Jaden, what about you? Um, not a lot of fun with it as well. It's like I said on, on, on the car at home, you know, this film's making me happy to watch, you know. It's, oh, yeah. It's just, I don't know. You're trying your best to disguise that, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that it, it still fails in all the things that Liam's mentioned in the past and that, like, it doesn't use the medium to make anything any more special, you know. Like, it very much does just film the dance sequences as it is. And even like the spectacle of like the final dance with with all the rains and all that with all, all that shit. That's all theater stuff, you know. It's not in camera or you know post production mm. stuff. It's just mm. you know showing you something. Um, it also like I feel like 
what he's been trying to do with the series from the start is kind of like, you know, demystify and make stripping less of a taboo. But like, I think it's it's still as much of a. Uh, I think it's failed to do that again. It just, it's just, you know, like you can't, you know, like, I, I, like it's, you're never going to achieve that, especially through a few films. I feel, and it feels like what is he's trying to achieve. But no, like, like you know, other than that, it's, I, th- I think it's still a fun movie. That you know, a bit of dancing. It's like right. Step Up, but with a bit, you know, it's, it's pretty much Step Up action. Yeah. Would you say I would say that this of the trilogy is the most purely dance focused? Yeah, I would say. Yeah, um, which is something I really enjoyed about it overall as well. I, I I might have to, I don't know, I might have to disagree on the on some of the dancing just because I, I did think the dancing in the rain sequence did live up to the hype of being this finale for for Mike. You know, it was his last dance. I, I thought it was pretty damn good, to be honest. And I don't know, like, I get what you mean in terms of what we've talked about in the past of using cinema to elevate the dance material. I feel like this did do that in a way that, at least in the way I was sort of looking for this whole time, just because the camera, I feel like the camera was always placed more deliberately. I didn't feel like, like, we talked about in the first film where, like, the camera is just, like, way back and just, like, capturing the stage. The camera was placed a lot more deliberately in the, in, in, when they're cutting back and forth and stuff, and, the, and it was getting super wet. The camera, that camera was getting goddamn water on it, you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, I feel like that sort of immersed me in the experience a lot closer uh, to the stage. And I think that's sort of what I was looking for. But I get what you mean where, like, this series still hasn't, like quite gone to the level of like do I don't know doing any crazy like post production stuff if that's but I don't know if I necessarily want that need, you know? it doesn't like need no. it or anything like that but like you know and just it, it doesn't provide a unique commentary through its medium you know sure okay yeah yeah, yeah no I, I I agree with that yeah but I think I, I would say that this is the closest it's gotten so far though and I did really like it for that but how distracted were you the whole time just based on the always sunny thing. The always yeah, same like, comparison. Yeah, I was like dead ass. As soon as I saw the ballerina, as soon as it started getting right, like, like, so like when we saw the ballerina earlier for this in this one lake scene, I was like, she looks like that person. And then when it got to the final dance and the rain, I was like, this is definitely that person. And as soon as I got it, as soon as the movie ended, I pulled up IMDb and I was like, I need to check this shit. And it was, and like that, like that was all that was running through my head. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. And then after you mentioned it, I saw it mentioned elsewhere as well. Oh yeah, and just like, yeah. But like, were you specifically thinking of that? Like, was the scene coming to you as you were watching it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. That's weird. That's weird. I feel like I need insight into that. I couldn't find anything. I tried, but as to like it, the the coincidence there is like it can't be a coincidence. Surely it's it's too weird. And it's like the exact same scene with the exact same actress. Um, so I don't know. In a way, maybe that take that takes away from it. But as someone who didn't know, I I thought it was still really good, um, for sure. I think um, the one from It's Always Sunny just holds a lot more emotional weight. Obviously, after thirteen seasons of television, it's like oh, you know, yeah. I guess like, I don't know if I was subconsciously comparing them. I don't think I was, but if I was, you know, it might right. It might have been weighted that way. I guess. Yeah. No, that makes sense for sure. Um, but in terms of this film being more of a dance film than the others, that's something I listened to chatting in an interview and he talked about that was one of the main things that he wanted going into if they were even going to do a third one 
which he was sort of skeptical about apparently. But um, one of the things he wanted to do was he just if they were going to do a third one, he wanted to go balls to the wall with just like the best dancers in the world just going ham, you know, just like he really wanted to lean into that aspect of it. And with that intention, I think they, I think they really nailed that. Like that was definitely one of the key distinguishing traits of this film, easily walking away from it compared to the, to the first one. So yeah, I don't know. Did you enjoy that, Fizzy? Did you enjoy the dance focus? Because I think you especially, I know the entire last production, but you especially sort of get it in that montage when they're searching for all the crazy house dancers, which sort of just felt like real auditions, you know? Yeah, because I feel like from Mike's position, he had more like power, like appreciation of like, um, like those dancers in this one. So like it was like, um, yeah, that was, that was cool. I liked like them working together and especially like, like the montages are very Soderbergh. They're very like, like oceans kind of, um, I like how he even puts montages in on the actual performance, like instead of showing the whole performance with the, you know, the diegetic sound, he just kind of puts them into the, like he just inserts them into the performance to like tell you that it's like a long, it's long, but like not showing you the whole thing. But um, mm, yeah, uh, there was like, yeah, all that was like super satisfying in this one, the process, the dances and like not, um, caring about the personality of the dancers as well. Like I thought there was a moment in the film where one of the dancers kind of looked a bit like disagreeable to the whole idea. I thought that would become a focus and I'm like happy it didn't because I feel like that they kind of already explored that in the first one with the Alex character who like comes around in the end. So yeah, everything with the dancers was cool. Yeah. Uh, there was that, that one dude who did that, like, I, I think I made an audible sound when that guy did that weird, like, twisting thing. I don't know how you even describe it. When he, like, twisted his whole oh, man the torso around. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was insane, dude. I couldn't believe that. Okay, to lean into what Fitzy brought up at the start, I want to get your thoughts on this. I think by the end, for me, when the film cut to credits, like, or in that those final minutes, like, I think by the end it became clear to me at least, my interpretation was that, the whole time this was a love story and one mm. expressed through dance and art as the daughter talks about in the narration. And that's my read on it. And that's neat, but I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't do as much for me as the previous films thematically because yeah, I love talking about the creative aspects, the the hustle in the first one, the passion in the second one for art and like all these cool things that the films talk about and, and uh, explore. But I don't know, so I just didn't get that as much out of this one. And I know they, I know like it does come up a fair few times about, you know, I, I like Mike's role in the plot of being the director of this, of this stage play. I think that's cool. But I just don't think it really, that idea was the strong through line that it built to or anything like that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it never turned into my takeaway for the film, which I thought sort of logically that would be a natural progression for his arc. Yeah, go Sorry, for it, Jay. I, I, I just need to double check. That yeah, you, you are aware that Salma Hayek's character, her life is that of the play that the Radigan puts on about she needs to choose love or money, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. Just, 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 just. Yes. Just, just checking. So, so I guess just in that sense, I was. I don't know. It, it, that's that's probably part of it as well. That I wasn't expecting. It, it felt like Salma Hayek's story, almost more so than Mike's at times 
Um, mm. And that's cool. But I don't know. Yeah, it just wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't re- what I really wanted. I like that idea, but I think I was more so expecting like, I, I know this sort of does happen, but when Salma Hayek like leaves and Mike has to finish the production on it by himself, I was sort of expecting that maybe to happen earlier, and, and but for the third act to really be about Mike achieving his like potential as an artist and that sort of be the, the, the story at its heart and for him to go out on his own and put on this hell of a show and become this like renowned, I don't know, choreographer, director, whatever it ends up being for him and that sort of be the creative fulfillment and that's the conclusion of his story. And it didn't really... And, like, you, you could argue that sort of did happen maybe, but, like, it, it felt like it was leaning way more into Selma Hayek and the love aspect of it, the romantic aspect of it, um, which just surprised me. I don't know. So I feel like I would have gotten more out of it the other way, if that makes sense. But I just wanted to get your thoughts, Fitzy, on that. And um, if it sounds like you still got that creative side of it um, in this film. No, I think I definitely got the creative side of it. But I also get what you mean when you say it's more focused on Selma Hayek and it's her story because I did. I did feel that and I was kind of, I think that's one of the reasons I was like into the film as much as I was because I think I just really enjoyed Summer Hayek and her story. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Mike kind of, he's creative in the end, in the sense that he takes control and he, um, you know, he, he creates something that's from his own, you know, creative input. But I do, I, I do get what you're saying. Like, it doesn't feel like, it's about his, you know, the height of his potential or anything. But, oh yeah, I still enjoy the film for Summer Hayek's, from her point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did, I did too. But um, but case case in point, I think for me is like the actual ending. I think it's the for some reason like I always bring up the endings for the Magic Mike films because I think the first two are, have great endings. That this one was definitely the weakest ending in my opinion, and it was just. Mainly because, like, the note it left me on wasn't ultimately as satisfying just because I felt like <sighs> it's just this weird thing of, like, when that film ends and I know the whole thing is that, like, the, the production is being shut down permanently. So if the main emotional thread of it is meant to be that was his last dance but, look, he gets the girl, you know, get that they, they're together, then... I don't know. Like, I just feel like, are we going to, yeah. in four years, are we going to get another Magic Mike film where it starts again and he's broken up with her? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like for him as a person, like, that that isn't the, that isn't the ultimate conclusion to his story, if that makes sense. I feel it yeah. has to be more in the professional, like, dance side of things. And it just, well, he I feel like. He doesn't, like, ultimately achieve success, is what I mean. Like, in the. Like, right. From. What do you want in the first film and like at the start of this film? But like, yeah, the film like they don't the trilogy doesn't have to be a success story, I guess. Mm. But um, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Even if it wasn't a success story, like I don't know, it feels like Selma Hayek's like a consolation prize, and then we could just end up like there's nothing about the ending of this film that makes me feel like there couldn't be another film necessarily. If that makes sense, just purely in the ideas of where Mike ends up, you know, um, unless I'm meant to, I guess I'm meant to believe that him and Summer Hayek are just going to be together forever. And then, and then that's the end of it. And they don't care about the money and they don't care about the whatever, because they're just happy together. But I guess, I, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't quite believe in that at the end. 
Maybe I'm too skeptical for old Mike and his romantic interests. He hasn't got a good track record, you know. So, mm. why is it she just going to be another what's her name from the first one? Bloody uh, Brooke was that it? Brooke. Oh yeah. Good, oh my god, I got good, that right. Good, uh, good callback. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So I don't know. I just felt like it is what makes her different to Brooke in that way. I don't know. Well, I think there's enough connection between between the two, personally. But yeah, they both yeah. do have a. Uh, she. They even say that she has like that thing of like latching onto one person and then kind of going into the next. So that is true. I don't know. It did feel like resolute in the end. It did feel like we we're supposed to get that they were together forever and happy ever after. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the idea. Yeah. Um, and no, I did really like her character. To be clear, like I thought, I thought she was pretty damn good in the movie. I don't think I've really seen her in much, actually. She's Kitty Softpaws, man. Oh yeah, she is too. Oh yeah, is that it though? <laughs> like I don't know. I feel like I just know who she is, but I don't know. Like when I actually thought about it, if I seen her in films, I don't really know. Isn't she, she um, more in, in Grown Ups? Isn't she Adam Sandler's one? Oh, yeah, she's in, she's in House of Gucci and in, in, in Eternals. She's in Eternals. Oh, she is in Eternals. And oh, wow. Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I haven't seen any of those, but I, yeah, Eternals. Um, okay. That's that's funny. I didn't even think of that. Um, no, I thought her character was interesting. I liked it. I liked the sympathy it gave her in terms of showing how trapped she feels in that marriage and how everyone treats that situation differently just because she's mega rich. Um, I think that, I mean, we sort of get that throughout, but like that very first scene with her where like everyone's gossiping about her behind her back and, um, you know, obviously very insensitive to her situation. Like I thought that was, that, that exploring that kind of a character is cool. Um, I, I enjoy that because I think it's, I don't know, I think it's fairly unique. Um, but how that actually like everything with her and the divorce, like it's obviously greatly complicated for her. Um, and I thought that was a cool perspective, but I like but like I said, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't grasp it was meant to be a full romance. Obviously, there was something there between Max and Mike from that first scene, of course, like Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, there's, uh, they weren't setting up anything with that one. Mm. But, um, but after that, when she starts, like, starts the project and her daughter comes in and she tells her that, oh, yeah, you know, she goes through these phases and, um, she has a short attention span. I, I, I started to really believe that in the second half, um, mm. which was cool. I liked that. Like it did, it did su- end up surprising me. She came around because some of those, some of those decisions she ends up making in the second half. There's that scene when she's sitting in bed with Channing Tatum, like showing him videos, and she just comes across as like quite emotionally unstable in the scene. I think where she's like trying to like convince him that this is great and we should do this. And like, she just seems frantic and sort of all over the place. And you sort of get the sense, Oh, is this, this lady is a bit chaotic. You know, I don't think this is going to work. So it did do a good job of planting that sort of seed of doubt in my mind that this shit wasn't going to turn out. Um, it wasn't like, I, I, I never felt like the outcome was obvious with her. So I did like that when really in like, in retrospect, it probably should have been, I'm a bit stupid, but yeah, I think the film did a good job with that anyway. No, I felt the same as you. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I doubted her for sure. It is wild, is it not, to think that the first film came out 12 years ago, you know? To us, it feels like two months ago, or to me anyway, mm. you know? But, dude, why does Channing Tatum look exactly the same? Uh, 
No, I think he looks older here. Does he? I think yeah. when he was a bartender, he looked older. Yeah. But then the rest of the time, I didn't notice him as much. But... Uh, so yeah. you either eased into it or it's Soderbergh, you know, he's doing makeup. Yeah. He's, he's, he knows what he's doing. No, nah, probably not. I think, like, what, what you, like, him at the start of the movie is the most I feel like I've seen him aged across the years. Like, from Step Up 1 all the way back in, like, 2000 to, like, The Lost City last year. He looks the same, dude. But, like, in this, mm. I was mm. like, ah, oh, he looks like he's a bit older. It kind of works, though, right, for that scene, I think. Well, that is weathered as a bartender and kind of down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, it's not, not a complicated storytelling, but, yeah, I think that, <laughs> I think that, I think that's cool. How did you guys feel about the narration as a choice, actually? Because it took me by surprise. I did end up liking it, I think. Um, I mean, especially I really liked that first introduction scene. I think the, the daughter has, like, a funny line about him being down and he's like, she says something funny about it that I thought was cute. But yeah, I, don't, I wanted to know if you if you felt it was kind of weird or took you out of it or anything like that because it was quite different. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. There's like a gut punch every time because it just kind of comes in, you know. It does. Um, yeah. No, you know, I, I, I did enjoy it as well. I, th- I thought it was a bit strange that it ended up being the daughter's narration because like it was quite intellectual, like a lot of the, the things she was saying and like, you know, the yeah. movie goes out of its way to show that she is very smart or whatever. But like, I was like, this is this feels like a fucking you know a peer reviewed study. You know, I was like, mm. yeah, tr- yeah, it's yeah. totally true. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I thought it was like the voice of God speaking to me at first, and then it just ended up being this like fifteen year old girl. <laughs> I was like, oh okay, yeah, I guess she is. Uh, I guess she is meant to be smart, so that's cool. I guess. Yeah, but anyway, so I just brought that up to say that I thought, as always, you know, I think it's worth saying that Shane Tatum continues to be incredibly enjoyable to watch on screen in this franchise. I mean, how can you not, I don't know, how can you not love Mike as a character, you know? At least I do. Michael I Jeffrey Lane. Michael Jeffrey Lane. He's just funny. He's just charming and he's, yeah, I know I know. Jane and I were chuckling a ton at what just little lines that he had to say, you know. I, don't, I, was, I didn't, were, were you as well, Liam? I, I was don't, ch- <laughs> chuckling a regular I didn't hear you, I didn't hear you over there, to be honest. Oh. No, you were no, chuckling I was chuckling enough. a, a tonish, ton or so. Okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. We, I know Jane and I would really enjoy it for sure. So yeah, yeah I loved Victor. Victor, Victor's like my type of humor, man. Like you have a Victor but, in your film, and I'll I'll eat that shit up. I was going to ask you about him because I feel like you were getting some a uh, fair bit of enjoyment out of him as well. Yeah, yeah, he was good. I liked him. Mm. There is something to say about. Yeah. I don't know if these ideas are linked. Maybe I'm putting it, stretching it here. But there is something to say about when Fitzy brought up that Stoderbergh's doing these like ocean style montages. And then, which he does for like the audition scenes and people come from around the world and all that sort of thing. And then this film sort of having that international flavor as well, where they go to London. Like I, I had no idea they were going to London at all. Um, and I think that did add like a, like an interesting little wrinkle to the franchise. Like it made it feel, I mean, it just makes this film stand out more that we get a, you know, we get some British humor. Can you think of a less pleasant. sexy city though? You don't like London? Huh? No, I love London, but you know, when you think sex, do you think London? Oh no, that's a good point. Yeah, when I think strip, uh, strip dancing, definitely uh, not London. Yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah, no, that's true. But yeah, I guess I just this was sort of the last film on the planet I expected to get some good British humour from. Mm. So sure. I think that's why I liked it. And as like, how could I have ever doubted it? Channing Tatum just like works with British humour. He just he plays into it. It's great. So yeah, this movie's funny, man. One of my um, favorite things is, is 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 like one of my favorite bits was that, that Mike just speaks all these languages. Like, 
like he speaks Spanish at the start, and then when they're discussing it in French, and you, you just, you're like, oh yeah, I fucking understand you. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> that, that was a good bit. It was, it was. He's he's just a, he's just such a chill dude, you know. My my funniest line in the movie is probably just when he says "sup" when Sup. he gets the crazy introduction. Yeah. <laughs> His delivery of it was so good. Oh man, that was really good. It is um to go back on the oceans thing. Like it is, it is, it is like lanes eleven because like you know it's ten dances and then and then Mike. Oh sorry, and then the ballerina, and then it's thirteen. It's lanes thirteen. Mate, Soderbergh never followed any rules for the world in the Ocean's trilogy of how many there were anyway, so I don't think he gives a shit this time. Can we say it's Lane's 13, though? Because the 10 dancers, the ballerina, the woman, and Mike. Mm, yeah. yeah. But then, like, Soderbergh would like probably be like, oh, but Mike doesn't count. But Mike's Danny. Danny counted. Yeah. Right? It's part of the original. Yeah, but isn't Mike more like whoever the guy that organised it was, and he didn't count? But he counted later. <laughs> yeah, he counted when it needed to count. Yeah, exactly. Oh god, Liam. On a scale of one to ten, just because I wasn't, I had no line of sight on you throughout the experience. How uncomfortable did you feel during the initial dance sequence? Um. Pretty uncomfortable, like a like an eight, probably eight out of ten. Yeah, Not uncomfortable. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That what well, this scene somehow it's a dance scene which also managed to feel like I was watching the most intimate, explicit sex scene I've ever seen. With but it has no nudity. Yeah, you know what I mean. Can you believe there's no sex scenes in this whole trilogy? But, yeah, Amazing. right. I think the closest we get is in the first. There's some like yeah. there's some nudity in the first one, right? When yeah, they're sitting around. Yeah, but that plays into the themes of the first one with like the crimey sort of. Uh, I said crimey. <laughs> I meant to say like crime and grimy, but I just said crimey. Um, that, that sort of vibe from the first one, yeah. But yeah, no, you're totally right. But that that shit. But they didn't. Who needs a sex scene when you've got that? Mm. That was uh, that made up for like five sex scenes in one. You know what I mean? It was it was pretty wild. But I would argue the awkwardness. It was basically primal. You know what I mean? Where like. It didn't matter. Like, it had nothing to do with. Like, I know personally, can't speak for you guys. I had no like awareness of like, oh, this is embarrassing because I'm here with Liam and Jaden or whatever. Like, it wasn't. It had nothing to do with like the specific personal dynamics in play. It just had to do with the fact that I'm in this room with anyone, with a, with, with human beings. You know what I mean? If it, if it was just me and the couple behind me, I'd probably be doing. I'd be like. Like, I'll be looking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd probably doing the exact same thing. Get and up I, in your seat, turn around and look at them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, there was, I don't know if Jane remember. there was a point where I just couldn't, I did like chuckle because I couldn't contain myself at one point. I think I managed to last like a minute without reacting and then I just broke and I had to laugh because it was like. <laughs> I'm not sure if, if I crazy. remember that because I think I was like in a similar boat of trying to just like <laughs> you were just conceal too, you were into it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were too hyper concentrated on the on the whole dilemma. Oh god! But I must say, it did honestly. In all, uh, we'll get to it later. But in all honesty, like it did probably provide. I don't know. That scene probably was like in my top five most memorable cinema going experiences of my life. To be honest, it'd have to be there. Wow. Okay. It was pretty damn memorable because it's so hyper specific. Like, dude, I can watch this film on my iPad or whatever. It's nothing. Who cares? You know. That's like so 
specific to that to that uh, experience of going to see it with other people, you know. Mm. Especially with all of us, and that's that's another thing that like I did like about it too, though, is just because we've been doing these reviews, we all we're all on the same page with the films. Like, if I were just going to see it with like I don't know my brother or other friends who hadn't seen the other films, like that would that would make it probably worse. No, that would make it worse. That'd make it worse, almost definitely. But the film, this is the only bit of trivia, guys. But uh, I tried to shoehorn it. The film was originally intended as a streaming only release on mm. HBO Max, but it was shifted to theatrical. So, thank God they did that. Because in all honesty, I feel like I feel like I would be so interested to see, like, be a fly on the wall to like pick ten random theaters throughout the world where this film is playing, and make sure there's you know some decent enough, a decent amount of people in the room, and just see how each. Because I feel like different theaters of different people would react differently to all of it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's theaters that just like eat up the first scene like they're into it, you know, like but they're like hyped about it. You know what I mean? And then there'd be other theaters where like, everyone's like dying inside. I just think it'd be hilarious to watch. I just want to like get me some of those yeah, reactions. We didn't really get a good. We didn't get lucky with the audience this time. Not really. I would have loved to have been sitting behind the couple. <laughs> that would have been great. Instead, they were sitting behind us. They probably were entertained by us, to be fair, because we were laughing a fair bit. And yeah, we were the entertainment. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we enhanced their experience. Should we just play the slide the entire time. Can we talk about that? Actually, the fact we were in the ju- the junior <laughs> village cinema. What the hell? That was weird. I must say, I wasn't expecting it. And there was something sort of, I don't know, serendipitous. The right word, where like there was something going on cosmically for us to be watching Magic Mike in these like colorful kitty seats. You know what I mean? They should definitely cover that up with a curtain when it's not being used for kid stuff. The slide, you mean? The slide and like the the, the two balconies with like the shaped table settings. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was really tempting. So yeah, to, to, so for people who don't know, there was a slide in our theater, like a kids slide, because it's meant to be like a kids playground sort of a theater combination. Which yeah, I just think the irony of seeing Magic Mike there is hilarious. But what's up with like the tables? Like, do people go there and have picnics? You know what I mean? No, but like I think it's meant for like kids' birthday parties where like that like the parents will sit up there. You know, kids down the front. I get that, but like, surely no one else is in the theater. Like, you rent out the whole theater for that, right? Because the, I don't want to go and see a theater. Uh, uh, even like, I understand if you're going to a kids movie, like you have to have certain expectations. You're not getting a pure experience. But like, even if I was taking my kid to go and see a kids movie, and like, I understand, okay, there's going to be more noise and chatter than normal. That's fine. You, you know what you're getting into. That's a different level of then going to sit in there and try and watch the movie, and there's like, a, there's a goddamn birthday party happening there. Mm. Where everyone's got their fairy bread. That's like that's unacceptable, because that sort of table setting is just asking for social interaction and shit. And people fairy bread, chat. fairy bread is hundreds and thousands, or tell something else. Um, in in Britain, for our international listeners. Um, oh, oh, thank you. I wouldn't even have thought to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 literally a slice of bread with hundreds of thousands on them. Butter. And it's fantastic. Yeah. And there's, butter. There's another word for it. I think hundreds hundreds and thousands. Yeah, is that not even right? It's maybe the American one, and then there's another one from the UK, I think. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. Everyone knows what sprinkles are. Yeah, it's bread with sprinkles on it, and if it sounds weird. Oh, that's so funny. I've never even thought about this, that people probably think that's weird, but it's fantastic. Trust me. <laughs> you should try it. 
Anyway, dude, I haven't had fairy bread in years. I really want some now. No, yeah. It's actually upsetting. Well, I'm probably not going to have fairy bread again unless I have a child, am I? Because you know if I go to like a four-year-old's birthday party, I'm having some fairy bread. I don't care mm. how old I am. Better start churning him out. Yeah. Shit. Goddamn. Let's start adopting. Um, <laughs> Be like Alexandra. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, so she was actually adopted, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get that no kind worries. of spite for your parents if you're not adopted then. Actually, maybe you do. Who knows? Yeah, maybe you do. Yeah. Maybe you do. Yeah, no, but that is a country. Yeah, that makes sense though. Yeah. Um, I've got to talk about this bus sequence, though, because, my God, that shit was wholesome. I feel like they were trying their best to rival the gas station scene from the second one. Mm. And I would say maybe they didn't quite – I don't know. They came close. I'll say that. That that had to have been definitively the best thing to happen to that woman in 30-plus years. I just loved, like, the little montage we got of – the little sequence we got of, like, following her life because they convinced me that she is not happy, you know what I mean, pretty quick. And it was a good strategy. Very entertaining stuff. That's like that that scene in all honesty, like sort of exemplifies like what I really appreciate about Magic Mike. Is it's just like it's just cute, it's just adorable. It's just you believe it totally. And they do a cool little dance as well. You know it's what I mean? That's Magic Mike. People happy. That's, that's exactly. Cool. They have the power to influence these people, you know, to, to influence them positively. Through dance. Through dance. Dance. Through yeah. dance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Shit, maybe I'm coming around on Amber Heard's arc like, in the second one. It's like uh, what Donald Glover said: they're healers. You know? The healers, yes, that's yeah. that's what I was looking. That's what I was trying to refer. To, yeah, very nice. See, it all connects. Perfect trilogy, amazing. Yeah. What about the cameo from the boys, from the lads on the Zoom call? Oh yeah, huh. I love how Matt Bomber is going full, 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 full spiritual guru. <laughs> Yeah, they were like they went from the first one like yeah. ba- anyone barely noticing that he was spiritual at all. The second one it being like, oh, that's kind of an interesting character, and then the third one they were like, dude, he's got three lines. We need to make it really obvious. <laughs> so let's just ram it down their throats that this guy is like a hippie dude. But it was funny. It was funny for sure. The other main funny aspect of it, of course, was the fact that they were all moving at like I don't know, was it barely? It was like point three frames per second, probably. <laughs> Yeah. To be honest. Mm. Which was also funny. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. I also got a chuckle out of when Mike just shut the laptop on them. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, hi, uh, uh, these amazing characters from this franchise. Never see you again, ever. Um, I couldn't find specific confirmation on IMDb. I assume Soderbergh edited this film too because there was oh, no... Oh, yeah, it was strange that as well. No Did you look for that? No editor. Um, there was, and there was something there was else no... missing as well. These things weren't credited at all, which made yeah. me just assume Soderbergh did them. Mm. Mm. Um, I guess that makes sense. I don't really know how that works. But um, in that case, I just want to say, Mr. Soderbergh, if you edited this film, mate, you just had a really good laugh at the intermission cut that you did, didn't you? You just oh, did it was great. Yeah, that was just... <laughs> he, he is credited on Letterboxd. As having edited it? As Yeah, and shot got it. it. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, no worries. Um, dude. Uh, uh, the second it happened, I thought Soderbergh was just bored. You know, he was just sitting there at the edit bay. He's probably like forty days in editing this film, and he's just like, "Man, I've been I'm looking at cat videos online. Let me just put one in. <laughs> Let 
I'll just slice it in. Why not? Why not? And he's right. Why not? Who cares? Um, the only other little piece of trivia there was was just the fact that Thandie Newton was meant to play Salma Hayek's character. Is her name? Do you say Thandie or Tandy? Thandie. I say Tandy. Tandy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Tandy Newton was meant to play Salma Hayek's character and she shot for a week. Like she was doing it and then she had to leave. So I, I thought Salma Hayek was really good anyway, so it didn't bother me. But I guess that sort of does make a bit more sense. Like the character was meant to be British. You know what I mean? Mm. It sort of makes you line it up a bit, I guess. We talked about Magic Mike's last dance for 40 minutes. Does that like break all world records? <laughs> I don't think there's a single review going to be longer than this on YouTube. <laughs> All right, let's get to our final verdicts of Magic Mike's Last Dance. Fitzy. Um, I'll give this a solid 7 out of 10. I think it's an enjoyable, funny film. Yeah, 7 out of 10. Ditto. 7 out of 10 from me as well. Jaden. Oh. Big 7 as well. <laughs> I think the whole nice. series I've given a 7, and I mean, like, it's just where they are, you know. Just yeah. ha- happy little films. Exactly. I'm really glad we did this series, to be honest. Like I I overall really enjoyed it for what it was. And and for and by when I say what it was, I feel like that typically sort of has like a negative connotation. And what it was are just really enjoyable movies I would recommend to most people. You know what I mean? Which is great. I would never tell anyone to watch Magic Mark. <laughs> I would. I don't care. <laughs> That's funny though. But what okay, end of this franchise, concluded the trilogy. Liam, give me your Magic Mike ranking. Do you, you gave them all sevens too, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Try and, it's not so obvious. So, uh, I feel like there's some recency bias that's going to affect me here. but Because I do think XXL is probably the best, but I'll say Last Dance first. I, I'll just go in reverse order. Last Dance first, XXL, then Magic Mike. Oh, okay. So, wow, you put this on first. Interesting. Okay, okay. What about you, Jaden? What are you thinking? These movies are all like so, like they're they're all so fucking close together. Like, but I think I I will end up with like the same order as Liam. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Interesting. I'll have to go. I mean, I basically said it at the start. I'll, I'll have to go XXL, then the first one, then this one. I think. Yeah, but yeah, they're all pretty. They're pretty damn close. It's a it's a very consistent. In terms of enjoyment trilogy, for sure. Um, but anyway, let's get into news chat. We've got a fair few trailers to discuss, um, some of which we've seen. So first on my docket is The Flash. Is this just Jaden and I? Hmm. Seems okay. so. Jane, what do you think of The Flash? This film has been in development for decades. Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. Because, like, like, like Flashpoint is, like, the, 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 the very obvious, like, and it's what we've been told is going to be, like, the main inspiration. But it looks like they changed a few things from the Flashpoint story I know. I don't know if the one I know is the correct one, but, like, so, like, it's, like, there was a bit of, like, confusion and, like, disorientation for me there because, like, I couldn't get fully get behind it because, like, that's not mm-hmm. meant to happen. But, you know, it was, like, that's what the DCU does. They just take the best part, I guess. So so, so I guess I'll remix the Flashpoint storyline. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Supergirl being there was, was interesting. I, I feel like I knew she was meant to be in the movie, but I didn't actually, like, know. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, 
So that was cool. Is she meant to be Supergirl like for the entire thing, or is she just going to be like the alternate Earth one? Well, we don't know. We know they're doing that new Supergirl movie we talked about, but yeah. whether it could be, this was shot, I don't know. I don't know when this was shot. <laughs> Who knows? Right. It was. Probably, mm. I think it was shot for years. So yeah, it, 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 we could very well. It could be the first and last time we get the Supergirl, or they might just stick with her. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. It was a fine trailer. I didn't really care for it. Um. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think this film is meant to be like a flashpoint adaptation. I think it's just like taking no, bits. I, I think it's what the MCU does, like with they just take bits and pieces and whatever. Oh, it's the do same way like BVS took like stuff from like Dark Knight Returns and shit like that. Yeah, exactly, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought this trailer was cool. I'm I do want to see it mainly just because I'm down to see all the crazy ass cameo shit they do. I don't know if it's going to be good at all, to be honest. Like it could be. I haven't got high expectations, but I hope that at the very least I want to go in there and get like just a crazy ass cameo fest that ends in like some crazy shit where they reset the universe. I'd be down with that. That's fine. Which I think that's what they're going to do. Michael Keaton being Batman. I don't have zero connection to Michael Keaton as Batman, but it's like, it's still like undeniably cool to see him there in the suit. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. I feel like it is just cinema history. So like, I'm, I think that's dope anyway. Um, Batfleck, always down for some Batfleck, you know what I mean? Love that shit. And then there was everyone's talking about Christian Bale, yay or nay, and the Nolan goddamn bat bike was there. So I don't know. Really? Anything's possible. Anything's possible. So I, at this point, I don't know. At this point, I sort of, they're going so all in with all the Batman, I'd be surprised if there isn't a Nolan connection in some way. I don't, I don't think know, Bale's going to be there. I don't know. Maybe I feel, he'd shoot a cameo. He'd do it. I feel like he would. Mm. Bro, he did. Thor. He did Thor. Yeah, he exactly. Did the, the shitty Thor movie. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not about. I mean, you can only yeah. go up from Thor. So yeah, I guess. Yeah. I feel like he'd do it. Yeah, but so, it, but even if even if we don't get him, which I think we might, but even if we don't, I think there's going to be like there's going to be Nolan connections for sure. Um, mm. I don't know exactly how, but yeah. So I'm just curious to see that. I don't give a shit about the Flash as a character, but. Um, I don't know. Yeah, if it's a cool sort of wacky multiverse story and it makes me like him, then I'm down. That's cool. All right, let's get to Ted Lasso Season 3. Fitzy, tell me all about this trailer and how happy it hopefully made you feel. Probably another masterpiece coming, but the trailer didn't really. It was just the characters running Bobby mm-hmm. Eve and then Ted Lasso walks in and he's happy, you know. Oh, yeah. Sounds so, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it wasn't like a trailer trailer. It was more like a like Yeah, a more like a teaser clip thing, yeah. But like you say, like another masterpiece incoming, you know it. You yeah, feel it. Sure. 100%. So that's going to be great. Oh, season three returns March 15th. There you go. Oh, shit. That's, oh, wow. That's less than a month away. Nice. nice. Yeah. Speaking of Apple, we have a trailer for Jesus Christ. Did you guys hear that? Mm. Yeah. No? Sounded like someone was murdered upstairs. Um. Speaking of Apple TV Plus, we've got the Tetris trailer, which Jaden watched. Mm. I watched a little I bit. I saw it existed. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll start with Jaden. What do you think? Well, this this Tetris movie has been has been rumored to exist for years, right? Oh yeah. Like 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 news. I I feel like news of the Tetris movie first came out back in like 2015 or some shit like that, whenever Pixels right. dropped, and because because it dropped because like news of that emerged coming out of Pixels. I think everyone thought the movie was literally going to be about like Tetris and like, and, and like I heard like one of it was like, it was like about like 
the blocks are alien invaders that they have to like get rid of or some shit like that. It was, like, it was, it was something fucking bonkers, man. It was, I was like, this is gonna be the worst thing ever made. But um, the trailer makes it evident it's clearly not. It's a story about actually like the creation of Tetris and like getting the rights to it, and like it's very much legal based and kind of. You know, it looks amazing. It looks like something that you've never seen. It look, it's it's a, it's a drama about the games industry, and like, which is awesome. And, and it's got like you know like born type action scenes. It looks like and shit like that. And you know, there's like some famous game cameos. Like there's 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 that president of Nintendo at the end of the trailer. It it looks genuinely amazing. The, which president of Nintendo? Reggie? Not Reggie. No, the, the one of the old ones. Oh no, that makes no sense here. What yeah, I was gonna say, what the fuck's Reggie doing in it in the eighties, man? That would be crazy. But like, it looks like it looks like it's going to delve into games history in like a in a really respectful way that we haven't seen on in in in, in films, you know. Yeah, which I'm I'm stoked for. Yeah, it's so funny that because I think you're totally right about the development of it, and it, I think it's the same thing where I, I don't know if you, if you probably might have had a similar like experience of reading about it where like it's an IGN article that pops up and it's like. When it was like a McDonald's movie in development, you know what I mean. Oh, and like, right. when, yeah, when, yeah, you, when you yeah. word the art, when you word the headline in a certain way, it just sounds like what the fuck. But then when you when you learn what it is, it just makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. okay, it's about yeah, I get it. Um, so I feel like they always sort of try and do that. But anyway, yeah. What do you think of the little bit you saw, Fitzy? I don't know what you saw, but I know Taron Taron Egerton's there, right? Mm. He's cool. Yeah, it looks good. The first thing I saw, the first. 30 seconds I saw was a bit deceptive because it was a bit more comedic, but no, it does look like a serious, um, you know, innovation type movie. So, yeah. All right. Those are all the trailers we saw. So now it's time for our highlights of the week. Who wants to go? Fitzy, do you want to go first? Do you care to? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. Um, I watched more Harry Potter movies. So, Hell yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to start. So should I just go through all of them? Or <laughs> like, what should I do? Give, give us a rapid review of them all, sure. All right, so Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Um, Banger movie was considering, was like debating eight or nine, you know. Hell yeah. Um, the last half, the last third is really good. Amazing. Um, you know, main sequence, Voldemort, uh, the rebirth of Voldemort, I think, is like the best Voldemort's ever been. Just like his, uh, you know, his dialogue, his weirdness. Um, pick up your wand, Potter. I said, pick it up. Bow. Yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> um, Sorry, Dad. Order of the Phoenix. Good movie. A little disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Why is that? Why is that? I was curious about that. I don't know. It's just okay. What, what, like, I know, so Luke and you guys have it at, at a nine, I think. So mm. what, do you, what do you guys like, like about it? Um, um, I don't know. Like, like in my mind, when I think of Order of the Phoenix, I think of that final climactic battle between Dumbledore and Voldemort and how fucking awesome that is. 10 out of 10, dude. Um, just, like, probably the best use of magic we see, like, combat-wise in the series. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's two masters going up against each other. You know, it's unparalleled in scale of what we see anywhere else in the series. Yeah. I love the way it's cut together too. It's so like, oh, I haven't rewatched the film yet. I can't wait to, but uh, like it's, the fight is really quick actually. And it's mm. just like, you sort of blink and you mm. miss it, but it's like, it has this, has this quality to it. That's so frantic. And like, you're watching something that's like mythical in front of you. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Well, of course, all just the, the crazy shit they do is awesome too. I think um, Hogwarts that year is really cool as well. Like like the whole um, umbrage, like like she's so infuriating, but like you know, it's 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 a the dynamic that it creates, and you know, Dumbledore's army and all that shit. Mm. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know. I, I, like um, I don't know. It's just so so solid. Okay. I think yeah, yeah, and I think also that I, I really like. I mean, I can understand like antsy uh, teenage Harry being annoying to some extent, but I, I I really like the relationship that it creates with Dumbledore. The dynamic it creates that year, that sort of uh, that, that distance between them, because then it makes Half Blood Prince's um, arc with them those two in particular like even more satisfying in my opinion. Mm. Um, and yeah, Michael Gambon is just amazing. So yeah, it's also got that. Bang an opening scene with the with the Dementors and yeah, you know, and the part, which is genuinely terrifying. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I agree with um the Dumbledore Voldemort fight and the opening sequence, but the Umbridge stuff is just like eh to me. Dumb like Hogwarts that mm-hmm. year isn't the great, isn't the best for me. But and also I feel like it's kind of a, it just feels like a bit of a pointless movie, like not that much really happens, I guess. Oh, like the whole thing just exists to convince everyone that Voldemort's back and that's like it? Is that what you mean? Yeah, but also like the whole plot is just not... Like the whole plot is Voldemort trying to convince Harry to go to the place to save Sirius so that he can get he can get the uh, the prophecy when the prophecy gets destroyed and it's just kind of... There's not that much to the plot of Lord of the Phoenix, I don't think. Mm, um, okay. Like in actual okay. what transpires, but anyway, it's still a good movie. Um, Half Blood Prince. Half Blood Prince is really great. Does he or does he? Is this Michael Gambon not deliver an Academy Award winning performance, dude? In Half Blood Prince, I think it's incredible, genuinely. Oh yeah, when he's at the um, when when they are at that what they think the first Horcrux is in that little cave area, that's like pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and yeah, like the plot, like the Hogwarts part of Half Blood Prince is pretty fun. Slughorn's pretty fun. Um, Draco's story is good. I love Snape's story as well. So, yeah. Very solid film. Deathly Hallows Part 1. Deathly Hallows Part 1 is amazing. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. It's just the emo, you know, the sad Harry Potter. Um, some of the best, like, cinematography in the series, I think. Mm. It's less... There's probably less magic in it, but there's, like... I think the magic sequences are culture like invading the like uh what's the word like it's kind of like spy thrillery in the way they invade the minor the ministry um and the looming like voldemort and death eater stuff is really great like bellatrix and more deaths than i expected like hedwig hedwig died mad-eyed moody died um and then dobby died in the end and then spoilers. Probably someone else. But yeah, spoilers. To those. Isn't that where um Lupin dies as well? Or does he die later? He dies in the second one. No, he does he does off screen, I think, in the second one. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah. Um but yeah. Last one's good too. Almost like too much stuff happens, but it's still pretty great. Lots mm. of great things that happen. So yeah. There's my overview. Of the five of the eight movies. Well done. Well done. Is it not, is Harry Potter not like a Marvel in terms of like how consistent it is and how there's not one clear 
there's no Harry Potter film there. And I was like, oh, yeah, but that one kind of sucked, though. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Like how consistent the quality of all eight films are. There's eight mm. of them. I think it's pretty damn impressive. I'd agree with that. I wouldn't, ex- I wouldn't expect it these days. Yeah. I mean, when you look at all the why, like the young adult novel adaptations that have come post Harry Potter. Exactly. Like nothing of its length. Like, like I, I say, I, I, like I know it's not a common opinion, but I would argue that the Hunger Games has a similar consistency. Probably not as good overall, like in terms of like the highest peaks. But I think from Hunger Games to Mockingjay Part Two, it is, you know, very consistent and very good throughout. But like that's only four films, you know. To do it over eight mm, films, right? Exactly. Yeah, very good. Well, I've only watched Harry Potter too. I've watched I'm, I'm uh, up to Order of the Phoenix right now, so I'll just that's fine. That's that's uh, that's my highlight as well. <laughs> I'll use that. Jaden, what about you? Um, I don't know. I watched a ton of stuff this week. I watched a lot of bad stuff as well. And watching bad stuff, it makes you appreciate the bad stuff more. Like, like I went, I was like, oh, I watched Wrong Turn three, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, and then after that, I rewatched Fast and Furious six, seven, eight, nine, and like after like after watching Wrong Turn three, you're like well, these aren't these aren't bad. There is there is no such thing as a bad film after watching Wrong Turn three. Um, <laughs> so I think I, I I raised I think every single one I raised up by a point, apart from Fate of the Furious. I think that's out of six. But I want to talk about Fast nine again because I, I I love Fast nine. Fast nine is so fucking good. I think I only talked about it recently on the show. I think. I'm pretty sure I talked about it. And like, it is genuinely, sorry. Yeah. It, it is genuinely such a good movie until Cardi B shows up like that. that, that it's just, <laughs> she's so fucking useless. And like, as a person, she's horrible and I hate her and she should not be in this movie at all. Like they could be an eight if she wasn't there. Um, which as a fast career film, like that's, that's very, very high quality. Um, but it's great. It is, it is, you get this awesome backstory on Dom like Dom's such a shit character. He's just he's so he's so emotionless, and he's played by Vin Diesel, so he can't act anyway. But like, you get this amazing backstory into him as a kid and his brother and his dad, and it, it, it's 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 a great little story and, and about how he got to that point in his life, and you kind of cut back to that point a few times, and it's amazing because in that point you see Dom betray the one value that he that he touts throughout everything, you know. Throughout all the all nine films, he tells you know family. Uh, can I family? guess what it is? <laughs> yeah, and and in that flashback, you see him betray that value, and you're like, holy shit! And it's it's amazing, and like I just think like the action is great ish, um, but like what really makes it so amazing is how bonkers it bonkers it is because it is it is only at this point of nine that you get to a level of it's so bonkers that it's finally acceptable to be this bonkers, you know. Because six, seven, eight, nine, six, sorry, six, seven, eight, you, they're, they're international spies and all that, you know. And there's there's, there's world-ending conspiracies that, that that these that these racing that these that these you know drag races have to have to deal with. Um, but in nine, they go to fucking space. So you're like, all right, if they're in space, I can buy everything else, you know, there's rocket cars and space and magnets and EMPs and shit. And it's like, all right, I can I can finally understand it all. And like you know, like it, it's it is, it, it's just so good, man. Like fast line, so good. How much of a step back does it feel when Fast Ten just isn't like a space film? Well, I don't know. I don't know because like, like it's like it's like it's like, a, a, like I mentioned to you, like guys, like you know, when last week in the show when you brought up about the Fast Ten trailer, like my initial thought was, oh, I hadn't seen it anyway. But then I remembered I had seen it, and it was just like such a nothing trailer. Um, like I don't even know what Momoa's role is apart from like he doesn't like them, and like, I I don't remember anything from that trailer, you know. So like mm. we'll mm. see how it goes from there, but. Yeah. yeah, I'm hopeful. Yeah. 
I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts to me that Fast 9 has ended up as one of my favorite ones. It's like my top three. It's like three. It's like my third one, yeah. What's your favorite? The first one, probably. The first film? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's the best, like, it's the quote-unquote best one. Oh, shit. Like, so you, tell me it's already, you tell me it's already peaked from what <laughs> I've down, seen. Downhill from me. Oh, God. Now comes the segment where we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you, what is your favourite on? Oh wait, oh, what is your favourite scene involving an on-stage performance, an on-stage theatrical performance? Right, that'll yeah. do. I think that's what it, how it was worded. Um, this one lit up the Discord. Go and join the Discord, by the way. Andy said, "My favourite theatre stage performance scene is Mr. G's entire musical slash play about a party girl with a bad habit for drugs in Chris Lilly Summer Heights High. Mr. G played by Chris himself, of course." Um, I won't describe the whole scene, but there's a part where the dog gets lifted in the air whilst also wearing angel wings, just for you dog fanatics out there. Have you seen this whole scene, Jaden? And is is he wise to not describe it in full? No, I mean you would have been fine, but I mean, like, you know, it's 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 just banging. Like the song, the song that he he writes is so fantastic, and like like if, I'm pretty sure it's about a girl that overdosed on ecstasy for like from the school. Um, <sighs> Like how how much of Summer Heights High have you seen? You've seen the first episode, right? I've seen like the first three, maybe four. Yeah, like like I just love the writing of the song, like and like the like like I just remember like the ecstasy. Yeah. Wait, would I? Is it early? Would I have seen it? No, I think it is later. Oh, okay, okay. That rings a bell for some reason, but maybe yeah. I think you seen writing the song early, but I think the actual play is later. God, that's hilarious. Nice choice, though. Yeah. Good choice. Luke said, my answer is Anya Taylor-Joy singing downtown in Last Night in Soho. Surely that counts, right? Jane, you stuck up for him in the Discord. Why does it count? It's a fucking on-stage performance. Why wouldn't it count? There you go. I haven't seen it. I didn't know. I didn't know why he was asking. I think I thought when he said singing downtown, like she, was, she wasn't she was on stage, she was downtown, and therefore he was asking if that counts. Oh. But yeah. downtown's the name of the song, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Got it. Yeah, no. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Aiden said, Lexi's play from Euphoria immediately comes to mind. I don't know if anyone else watches that show. Aiden, not only do I watch that show, you stole my answer, and it was the answer I thought of immediately as soon as Liam suggested the question, because this is definitively the best goddamn answer, dude. Lexi, oh my God, it's so good. The way that this scene, it takes place over the final two episodes of season two. This entire sequence, the way it blends reality and fiction, cutting back and forth between like the, the stage performance and the real actors in like this, in this like real scenario, but like it sort of has this weird sense of like it's seen through Lexi's perspective. So like, is this reality or not? But like it is, but it isn't. So it's like it's it's kind of intriguing in that way. It's like plenty entertaining, of course. Um, some crazy, some weird ass shit happens. It's uh, pretty funny, but then also provides plenty of that what I would describe as euphoria tension, which is basically just good cringe. You know what I mean? Where euphoria, when you when I'm watching it anyway, I'm just like, these people are making terrible decisions and I'm just cringing so hard at some of these things that these people say. But, like, it's it's good cringe, though, because I'm, like, invested. I'm, you know what I mean? It's, like, effective stuff, but damn. So there's plenty of that there, too. And to Fitzy's dismay, it contributes – to the goddamn character arcs massively, dude. This is the sequence. I think I was on the show. I think I'm on record, I think, w- saying that, like, Rue sucks 
she's a terrible person and she's irredeemable. And then this whole extended like two hour sequence, like basically fixed to his character. I, and that's like not fixed because like, it was the entire point. But like I saw it. I'm like, holy shit. Sam Levinson, what have you done with these character arcs? What have you done? This is incredible. So yeah, that's my answer. Liam, what about you and how upset are you right now? Do, have you seen this, by the way? Have you ever finished this scene? No, I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> I still, I've still got 20 minutes left in the last episode of Euphoria. You're a quitter. I should just do that today. I'll watch, I'll watch it today. Um, uh, uh, well, okay, so my choice is Drive My Car, which has the, uh, it has, it has, um, like, theater preparations, not actual performances, but the movie's still, like, based on the theater, this theater, like, performance. Um, but, yeah, the things that we do see are really great because they're really, like, um, I don't know, like, characters will be interacting normally and they'll, like, abruptly kind of go into an intense scene or something. And the film's really cool because sometimes the characters, like, speak different languages, like, like they'll talk English or Japanese and they'll like I think there's another language in there. Um so the movie's all about like communication between these different people that are trying to put on this performance. Um but yeah, it's really good. That aspect of it is really cool. So yeah. Drive my car. That's my Very answer. nice. Very nice. Is that on something? That's on a service these days, I it's think. On stand. Right. Yeah. I should check that out. Jaden, what about you? I don't really know. This was a, this was a tough question. I forgot about it. I only had I've only been browsing for the past like twenty minutes for an answer. Um, Birdman popped out, but I was like, oh, yeah. I think the best That's parts of Birdman probably aren't on stage, you know. So I'm like, oh yeah, actually, it's a good point. Um, so I'm not sure about that. Um, Tick Tick Boom also popped up to me, and I love that movie. But I think I think it's once again like the best parts are the ones that just. Uh, that aren't just Andrew on stage performing. I think it's when when it actually goes into the story. Mm. Um, Black Swan, maybe. I, I, I think I think I think that final dance is pretty spectacular. All right. As always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section, send us a DM on Instagram, or join the Discord server. Thanks everyone for submitting their questions this week as well, their answers to the question this week. It, they were very good answers, and I was just I was, I was saying it earlier, but I was surprised how well. The Discord responded to the to the question seemingly as well because sometimes like, we write que- we come up with questions that are like oh this is a pretty good question and then it's like yeah it's okay the responses were pretty good but then this one was really good so thank you um, this week though the next question we'll be asking you is what has been your most awkward cinema going experience of your life let us know or maybe if you don't have one that's like specifically awkward maybe just tell us one that's memorable I don't know but yeah that's the question what have you come up with let us know. Um, we also have a poll announcement to do. Oh, oh wait, was I meant to pick a fucking movie? I even warned you at the start. My God. I, th- I thought we were discussing that for next week. Holy shit. Nah, we got a poll. Oops. Are you, are you, can you come up with something? Yeah, I got one. Oh, fantastic. Oh, you're so good. You're so lightning. Okay. Um, it'll be myself versus Jaden for the Instagram poll this week. And this, of course, is for the film we'll be reviewing in two weeks time. So. I'll go first. I will nominate, get a very good friend of the show back on the show, elevate his status even further, and I'll be nominating Arrival from Denis Villeneuve. No, fuck. (laughs) All right. Come on, Jane, spill it. Well, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Um, oh, 2022 film. You know, so it's recent. It's got Leah Sadu. That sounds cool though. Crimes yeah. of the Future. That's just a cool title. Yeah. Damn. Should we just do that anyway? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds neat. Okay. Very good. We have our poll. Check out our Instagram page in the coming uh, 24 hours or so after this episode goes live. And vote. Have your say in what we review, please. Do it. All right. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Fitzy, what are we doing next week? Uh, we're doing The Sea Beast, which is an animated film on Netflix. Everyone rejoiced. An Academy Award nominated. Academy Award nominated animated feature film, The Sea Beast. Mm. Starring Carl Urban. Is it? Yeah. Oh, cool. That's cool. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, as always. Thank you, Liam and Jane, being here, for being here. Yeah. Um, We appreciate everyone, all the human beings around the world. Have a great rest of your week and goodbye.